right, here we are again talking about coaching. Welcome back. It's uh, Sjoas here. I'm here with Yannick. Hello. And today we're gonna today we, in today's session we're gonna cover the question: What should I include in my contract? I think it's a great question. Um, yeah, let's let's dive in. <laughs> cool. Yes, let's dive in. I mean, I'm I'm all over this because it's probably the thing I mention most often to students or to coaches who are forming people who are at the beginning of their coaching journey is contract, contract, contract. And while I don't necessarily, I mean, I grew up with the word contract because my dad's a lawyer. <laughs> so um, uh, particularly in M&A, so there's a lot about contracts really. Uh, maybe I've got that with me. Um, but I know the word contracting uh, elicits some, something for a lot of people, you know, uh, you kind of, you, but it, it essentially is about committing to something. It's about agreeing on something. So it doesn't have to be something that draws you in and binds you. And I think everybody has probably made a um, had a difficult experience with uh, being caught in a contract. But in the context of coaching, really, it's about how we set the agreement, how we how do we want to work together and set up some perimeter, set the frame for our coaching work. And that's why it's so important. Um, in most supervision sessions, if a coach is stuck or doesn't quite know what to do, uh, usually the answer lies in what have you agreed on? What have you got permission to do? What did the coachee come to you for? You know, what's the goal that was set? Or, you know, have you agreed to just explore? And maybe there isn't a particular smart goal or a vision that they're, that they're trying to achieve. Um, but there's a lot of different elements to the contract. So I'd really like to take the time to just talk through in the beginning of a coaching relationship, what's what's helpful to agree on? What do you usually start with, Sivir? Um, Yeah, good point. You know, and just to give you a bit of background, right? When I did this in the first year, two years, I just had a one pager that talked about being on time, right? And and paying on time and all that. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's all, it's for me, it really changed. My contract changed when I, hired my third coach and he spent an hour with me in the first session going through the contract and he had a lot of different extra like a lot of different aspects in his contract that just set up the coaching container in such a powerful way I think it just just had a, such an impact on me it just changed how I showed up as a client and ever since then I started actually using that and that's like it's, it's two pages it's I think two or three pages but it, it just talks more about, you know, it sets up the container really powerfully. So it talks, a little, mm -hmm. it talks about, you know, being on time. It talks about cance cancellation policy, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours. That if you don't, you know, notify the coach within that time period, you know, you lose the session. But there's more around, you know, there's more around actually what will happen within this coaching relationship, right? Mm -hmm. an, example, an example is, for uh, an example is, you know that you know when we and again this can be different from coach to coach right but for example something that's in that contract it's about you know when we agree something together and i give my word that it's really important to keep my word around that right mm -hmm. and that if i don't do it right that i still show up for for the session which is really interesting because and, and he actually explains in that in that contract that sometimes you know you know, resistance will come up. Sometimes, 
you know, you know, the things will get challenging. Sometimes mm-hmm. the actual thought of quitting might come up. Mm-hmm. Right. And actually just talking about that was just really powerful. Talking about what can actually happen when you go through that, you know, learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think talking about expectations is, is quite an important one. Um, before we get into that a little bit more, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, written versus verbal contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first probably like six years, I didn't have a written contract. You know, um, I, I, I made an agreement and it was verbal and we agreed on things. You know, we had a conversation about it. A contract doesn't have to be a written document. I think it gives it a bit more weight. It gives it a bit more maybe seriousness. I don't know. I, I felt that my clients were taking the work a bit more serious when they introduced a contract that they had to sign. You know, I think it's quite powerful if you have to actually sign a written document with, you know, your hands. Um, I, it's another thing to uh, type, um, you know, something in a Word document and email it back or to acknowledge it through an email. All of this works, you know, um, legally speaking, you still have a contract. But I think legally is less important than what's happening in this relationship because the contract means I'm committing to this, you know, and we are, we are both clear on what we have agreed on. So I think the exercise of writing up a contract, whether it's a one-pager or a three-pager or just a number of bullet points, you know, it's a really helpful exercise for any coach to figure out what are the important elements to me that I have written them down. So maybe they're not really negotiable because they're written. You know, I usually say uh, when I send my contract to clients after the consultation, you know, I tell them that, you know, I'll I'll send them a document and, you know, nothing in there should surprise them because we will have talked about most of these things already. But it's important to be literally on the same page. Uh, And I say I send it to them and I say, hey, if there's anything in there you want to ask questions about or have another conversation on, we can do that in the follow up call. If there's anything you want to amend in terms of how it's phrased. Uh, I always get a bit nervous when I work with lawyers. You know, I worked with a, quite a number of lawyers. And when I send them my contract, it's like, ooh, <laughs> you know. But then it turns out lawyers seem to not really care about contracts. And uh, one said straight up, like, oh, yeah, most lawyers don't actually read them. And I'm like, really? What? <laughs> um, but it's a helpful exercise for a coach to just write the things down that are important to you for your client to be on the same page on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very important point. And and something that I encourage coaches is that, you know, as things come up in relationships with, with clients, you know, sometimes like something happens and, and you, you, you don't want that to happen again. Or, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's like, hey, this is not something I, I want in my coaching relationship or this is something that wasn't communicated. Mm-hmm. I would make a note of that and, and start including that. And, and so I see the contract very much as a, like a living document that yeah. as you go through your coaching, coaching journey, you add other things. So for example, a coach, uh, you know, I, I had someone, a client basically said, yeah, I had a, she had a client show up drunk in a session, right. Okay. Or intoxicated and maybe not completely drunk, but, and then she said, well, Hey, let's, it's not going to serve you to have the session and then just pause the session. She's like, I, I didn't actually think about putting something like that in the contract, but then she yeah. included it later. Mm-hmm. Right, but the contract just changes. Like even a, a small thing, like being really present and having no distractions. I had someone that showed up on a coaching call on, on a treadmill, and I, and it's really for me that you know I was really surprised. But again, it's like sometimes people don't people don't know how to be a great client, right? So I think what what the contract really does as well is it helps us 
well, it helps to improve that coaching relationship, but actually really mm-hmm. can help set up the client for success. Yeah. Not everyone yeah. has experience coaching, right? Yeah, yeah, and that 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 also um, I want to underline here that it's a living. It, it's not just a living document; it's a living thing. It's a living contract. It's a living agreement. And while I don't think I would put be fully like be not don't be in, intoxicated when you come to the sessions, or you know don't be on a treadmill or be somewhere with distractions. I don't think I would put that in my written contract. You know, because the the written contract I think is like a foundation. It's like for me, it's like the the key elements. And there's going to be so much more that you agree on with your clients. And that's going to be different from client to client. Some things don't need to be said until they need to be said. You know, if we were to contract about every single thing that we can possibly contract about, the first three hours of coaching relationship would just be contracting. So that's not really helpful. But I think it's really important to highlight that you can always recontract. If something comes up, you, you can just, you know, would it be okay if I ask you a challenging question? Even if you hadn't talked about you know, that some of coaching might include challenging questions. I think it's good to talk about, as you mentioned, uh, expectations and what this is and how it might work. So they get a bit of a sense for what this conversation will be. But a lot of that is probably going to become clear as you have the first conversation. So people who don't charge for, for their consultations or their first sessions, somebody will get an experience and, you know, naturally challenging questions will come up. Is it important to ask permission there? Is it important to ask permission before you even start the conversation? Uh, it can be really helpful, I find, if you get a bit of, if you get the client a bit of a sense for what they're getting themselves into, what kind of conversation is this, rather than somebody finding themselves all of a sudden have a level of depth, feeling really challenged in the foundations of what they believe in. You know, I think it's important to get the permission to to coach someone. Um, so that's important. Uh, how do you how do you start that? Well, often I I don't want to jump straight into contracting when I meet somebody for the first time. You know, first I want to meet them and see what's present, and maybe we have some something is present. I don't know the weather or you know your color matching, and you you're building some rapport, and uh, I think that's important. But somewhere in the first ten fifteen minutes. Uh, sometimes first five minutes, uh, sometimes a little bit later. But at some point in the first conversation, in the beginning of the first conversation or relative beginning, I would always say, hey, I just want to take a moment to uh, to put a frame around what this is, you know, and how this how this will work today. You know, we have this amount of time. You know, I, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. I want to ask enough questions so I can be confident that I'm the right coach for you. And I want you to be able to ask enough questions to figure out whether you want to have more of these conversations. You know, I want you to get an experience for what it's like to sit down and have a conversation. I want to get a bit of a sense for where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve? Who do you want to be? Why are you here? I want to get a sense for who are you? You know, is there something that you're coming in with? So you're already contracting and agreeing for how this consultation will go, you know? And so similarly, uh, either towards the end of the consultation or when you start the coaching journey, uh, which already started arguably, but when you start the official paid for sessions, I think it's important to agree on a number of things. And usually that happens um, during the consultation already, you know, and it goes beyond logistics. You know, um, but yes, it's, uh, that's the foundation, right? How often are we going to meet? How long are the sessions going to be? Uh, where are we going to meet? Um, when are we going to meet? You know, just the uh, operational stuff. Um, that's that's uh, the baseline. 
Um, but also, uh, we mentioned expectations. Uh, have you had experience uh, with coaching or with any helping by talking services? You know, I want to open the door that they can also tell me about, oh, I was working with a mentor or I've had conversations with my uncle and he really helped me. I, I've been seeing a therapist or I'm seeing a counselor right now. You know, I have a spiritual guide, uh, whatever it is. Uh, I want to get a sense for what worked well in those relationships. You know, what maybe didn't go so well. Uh, what did you take from it? Uh, doubles as where are you in your development, but also what kind of conversation helps you? Um, you know, what's, uh, what's, what's a style you enjoy? They also tell you about their values and their beliefs. They tell you about how do they learn best. They might tell you about whether they're quite a visual learner or a conceptual learner, depending on what has worked or not worked for them in the past. I have a lot more, but I want to pause there just so you can jump in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're, you're mentioning a lot of useful things here. And what I found in the past is that I sometimes thought like, hey, you know what? I don't want to take extra time from this coaching. And and, and what, because I think you mentioned, right? Like we don't want to necessarily spend three hours, right? But what I found useful is, is actually just adding a bonus. Like if someone signs up for 12 hours or someone signs up for, let's say, you know, 24 sessions over six months or 12 months, it's just to add an extra hour as a bonus mm -hmm. right, at the beginning. And we just, just to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. Because what I found is, and again, this is from my personal experience, is that the written part, so I do a written contract now, but it's also like a verbal discussion. So it's a conversation. And what I found just useful is just asking someone, like, does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Right? And, and, and actually just sharing, like, hey, look, you don't need to just say yes if it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. right because sometimes we just agree to things that and when it's not 100 clear right and i've done that in the past but actually just <laughs> actually just creating that conversation like you know does this make sense is are you okay with that or do you, would you like you know yeah I, I want to jump in there just because it's so important. I've seen that uh, when I was marking uh, coaching assignments at, at yeah, when my when I was at university, I've seen a lot of like half hour coaching sessions and the contracting bit in the beginning, as important as it was, uh, one of my markers once called it, um, it seems like the coach is reading their client their rights, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that hit it. it it was so accurate you know it's like this and this and this and coaching is this and are you okay with that does it make sense because you know a lot of those are quite leading questions and it's easy for the client to just say yeah yeah that's fine yeah that's fine and even with a written contract often they're like yeah yeah that's fine and then they sign it you know it's like itunes agreement it's like are you okay with that yeah i'm okay with that um really what you want is for this to be a conversation so when you, I want to ask as many questions as I can during this period, you know, you noticed that I, I asked, have you had experiences with other, uh, with other um, um, coaches or with other therapists or something like that? Uh, I want to make this a conversation rather than here's what I, what coaching is. Uh, are you okay with that? Say yes. <laughs> you know, and then they say, yes, yeah, so they're not. And then you go to the next point. point. Right? It's such a good point because when you do that, that that alone could you know you could learn something that could save you six sessions mm -hmm. to figure out like oh how does this person actually what's their style of learning what's the style of like what's the best way to coach this person right right and so it's actually just taking time out for that can be really impactful for your work as a coach mm -hmm. exactly and so the more this is a conversation the more your client will own the space 
And for me, that's super important because in my contract, I want to talk about responsibilities. You know, what is my responsibility in this relationship? What is my role here? What is your responsibility and your relationship and your role in this relationship? And that's super important. I want my client to take charge of that as much as possible. I know there's coaches out there who take more charge of the process. Um, but who, who is responsible for what? Such an important conversation. Like, I'm going to hold space. I'm going to be in charge of time. You know, I'm going to give you a heads up when we are 15 minutes before the end or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you're responsible to pay me before the session or, you know, um, do anything that you commit to between sessions. Um, maybe you're responsible for when you didn't take action to be truthful about it and to come back and just be really open. Um, I, I would, I want, I need you to be vulnerable and truthful with yourself when you work with me, for example, you know, what, whatever it is that you expect from your client, I think your client deserves to know that. And that avoids, as you say, it avoids so much frustration later on because, you know, you've agreed to it and you can fall back on that. Particularly important in the contracting in this regard is what are the limits and boundaries to what you can do? What can you and what can't you help your client with? So even if you don't know exactly where the line between coaching and therapy is, most people don't. Personally, I feel it in like the bottom left of my stomach. You know, I get a, I get a certain feeling when I'm, uh, I'm nearing the limits of my competency or willingness to work with somebody. I often say, are you willing and able to work with this person? You know, so I tell my clients, I don't really know exactly where the line is here. But what I do know is that my coaching stops at some point. You know, the existential coaching can go a bit further into depth, perhaps. You know, I'm quite comfortable with holding like quite emotional space. But obviously, there's a line between coaching and therapy. And I feel it. And I promise you that when I feel that, I put it on the table. And I might say something like, hey, remember when we had that conversation about coaching? You know, there's a certain line and I don't know you yet. You know, I, I you know, who knows who you are and three sessions down the line, we might, uh, we might explore or identify something that really is better placed to talk about weekly and with a professional therapist. You know, if that would ever happen, uh, I, you could hear me say something like, remember that conversation? I think this is one of those times. You know, if you wanted to explore this particular topic further, I think it will be much better for you to talk to somebody else, you know? And if you do that, you have set it up in the contract. You know, so when that happens, it's much easier to have the conversation about potentially referring out to somebody else. If you don't have that conversation and somebody might think, well, you know, I, that anything goes in this space, then they might feel a bit taken aback by, oh, I'm feeling rejected. I, I thought this person could help me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and those, those things, I think under those two things, you can probably add a lot of things what's my responsibility what's your what's the coach's responsibility what's the client's responsibility mm-hmm. and and i think maybe also talking a little bit about the money aspect oh yeah right because i think you know there's i think i'm not sure if we had this question before but i get this question often like oh should i add a you know are my you know shall i tell people like they they can get refund or is it non-refundable right uh yeah what, what, what are your thoughts on that 
Mm-hmm. It's so important to talk about money in that consultation. I, I've met a lot of coaches who avoided the conversation because to them it's uncomfortable and they have an assumption that for the client it's also uncomfortable and maybe it is and then they send their prices over via email and then they don't hear back and then they find themselves in that space of, oh, was it too much and should I email again and should I offer a discount? You want to have that conversation while you talk to each other. And what I often say is the more normal it seems for you to talk about money, the more normal it's going to be for the client. And the more normal it it seems, it's just a conversation that you have. And if you feel uncomfortable with it, practice having the conversation. Just get used to talking about money. It's just a thing. It's, it's a logistical thing that you need to get out of the way. You know, the client wants to work with you. The money is a is a thing that you need to figure out. You know, and if it's too much, how much too much? Maybe you can break up the payments if you're willing to do that. You know, if you are willing to give a discount, um, there's different philosophies out there, but like uh, be clear on how much discount you're willing to give and for what reasons, you know? So if it's if it seems normal to talk about money, the client is going to be more comfortable to talk about it, but it's such an important element. Yes, r- refunds. Um, if you don't give refunds, give them a really good reason. You know, it's important that you're invested in this. A lot of the, a lot of the um, uh, benefits and a lot of the value that comes from coaching is because you are really committed to this. And in my experience, when somebody pays a sizable amount of money, they're going to be really committed. They're going to be really invested. So that's for you, you know. Um, so I want to put the focus on the client. You know, the, I, I want the best for my client. And sometimes the reality is that I charge them more and they get more from the coaching. And if I don't offer a refund, then, uh, you know, they might get more from the coaching because in difficult times, they might be more invested because they say, well, I've invested already. So maybe it's, it's good to push through this. Mm-hmm. In one of my uh, earlier contracts, uh, I, had a, I had it written down that I operate under a strict don't be a dick policy. <laughs> so that generally there are no refunds, but I'm not going to be a dick about it. If something happens and it's a reason that makes sense, you know, obviously I'm not going to uh, hold your money back if it's something that is beyond our control, you know, uh, or if we, uh, for example, if, if therapy would just be the much better service right now, do they want to pause the coaching and come back to it? Maybe they just don't have the funds and they really need the help. I'm not going to hold your money hostage while it could really help you get a good service. But again, everybody has to make their own decisions about where their lines and boundaries are and what their policy is. And it's good to be clear about that before, you know, having thought about what you would put in there so that when you're in the conversation, you're not going to be surprised by a client asking questions about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I think as a coach, you learn through your experience. You know, um, you know, initially I had that in the contract and I've changed that over the years to no refund. And I, it's really served me, it's helped me, you know, it's, it's really impacted the relationship in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And very similar to yourself, I think sometimes, you know, coaching can get really tough. And if there's an exit door, sometimes people take the exit door. But if there's no exit door, you know, they stay and, and they show up. And, you know, if you create that safe space in that relationship where they can come back and open up, it can mm-hmm. really serve them. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've sometimes made an exception when it's really served the client you know, yeah. you know, to let them go. I've made yeah. that exception, but I think it's just, again, a personal thing. I don't think often you hear that, like it's the, what serves people is to have a refund policy or not have a refund policy. I think it's just really finding out what works for you, mm-hmm. but being also clear on the reasons why. Yeah. 
Yeah, and um, you know, I I don't usually talk about refunds during the consultation, but I do have that in the document. So you know, my written document serves as a backup as well because I always say. Uh, you know, th there's some stuff like I sent you that document that I mentioned. Uh, have a have a good read through it. It's important that we're on the same page. Nothing should really surprise you. Some things we might have not mentioned, like give me 24 hours notice, you know, refunds, uh, things like that. Um, just but have a look through and tell me what you think. If there's anything else, you know, we can talk about it in in the follow up call, which mine is usually 10 15 minutes, just so we figure out some of the logistics around the contract. Mm. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is confidentiality, you know, which uh, I think is such an important thing to agree on. And uh, it's interesting. I've heard some coaches uh, say in the beginning, everything you tell me is 100% confidential. And I, I, it sounds great. It makes you feel good and safe. But really, I hope it's not the truth, you know, because uh, there are times when you need to break confidentiality. And usually these are extreme examples like terrorism, uh, money laundering, you know, depending on the law of the land. Some, sometimes we're legally obliged in the UK, if we hear about terrorism or money laundering, we have to break confidentiality. We're obliged by the law. So there, there are exceptions. I've never had to break confidentiality. And usually that's what I include in my contract. I try to say with a smile, it's like, look, um, this is all confidential. Whatever you say to me stays in this room. However, obviously there's some exceptions. You know, if you go out and you plan to hurt yourself or other people, you know, I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to talk to you about it first. Um, but if you were to still be adamant that you're going to do this, uh, I, I might have to take steps, you know, and this is in your and the world's best interest. Um, if you say that kind of thing with a smile, um, you know, it hasn't happened, but it might happen. And when it does happen, you need to have had some sort of agreement. They need to have seen that coming for, you know, otherwise that's your integrity that's on the line. And clients can react really badly when they realize that it wasn't 100% confidential, even though you said that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think, again, that, you know, my the way I see it, right, is, is keeping it simple as you start, and then and then through experience adding more to it, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. So maybe just conclude this, right? Like, what what are some basic things? Like, I think like a coach that's qualified that they yeah. need to have there. We talked about, you know, we talked about obviously the the timing, right? The starting yeah. maybe cancellation, confidentiality, right? Um, Finances. Um, yeah generally um, what your coaching style is, um, expectations from the clients, responsibilities, um, commitment. Uh, really, you're trying to create psychological safety here through being clear um, and through making an agreement with your client that they know what they're getting themselves into, you know, getting permission to coach them uh, and putting a bit of a frame around what this is and what they can expect from this relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so that that's a great start. And then after that, it's it's just actually, you know, yeah, being playful and then really seeing like what what does what serves me as a coach, what serves my coaching style. Mm -hmm. Oh, and perhaps to throw in, uh, if you're an ICF accredited coach or AC or EMCC or some other professional body, uh, there might be some guidance in there. For example, ICF coaches uh, need to share in the contracting stage uh, the complaints procedure as well and refer to the code of ethics. 
so that your your client is aware. I, I have a, a section on, you know, just I am not a, an accredited coach by the ICF, but I assign to their ethical framework. And there's there's a summary of that uh, at the end of my contract, for example. All right, interesting. Yeah. All right, yeah. And we, we'd love to hear from you guys. What do, what do you include in your contracts? Mm-hmm. And by the way, like in terms of contracts, I've seen contracts that are seven, eight pages. And it was no surprise that a lot of clients were getting confused before sending that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen the other side where people don't do contracts. So yeah, just really uh, curious to hear what people are doing, what mm-hmm. what stuff they put in their contracts. Yeah. And if you're willing to share, I would love to see contracts. Often students ask me for my contract. I'm quite happy to share my contract um, just so uh, coaches can get an idea of what it could look like. But every contract is going to look a bit different. So uh, I would love to see some of you share your contracts. If you can upload it, share the link in the comments or something like that. Uh, I think that would help a lot of coaches. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sivash. And thank you to those uh, who were with us for this time. Thank you for being with us today. I appreciate your commitment to learning and growing as a coach. Just a few things before you go. First of all, we're doing this for you. So if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, do send us a question. Secondly, we're not doing this for profit. So we rely on your support to help us reach as many coaches as we can. So if you can send this episode to a friend or tell a fellow coach uh, about what we're doing here, maybe you can subscribe or leave us a review or even support us on Patreon. Um, That would be amazing. And lastly, you can find us across all major platforms. So uh, whether you like to watch or you like to listen or you like to download episodes and listen to it uh, in your car while you're driving through somewhere with no internet, uh, you can do so too. Um, And that's it from us. Thank you and I hope to see you next time.